This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. In this episode, we talk to Vivi from Personal Finance Club. We go into pretty deep topics like hating your job, dealing with pressure from your family and friends, and therapy as well. So this is a very interesting conversation, and we're thrilled that Vivi sat down actually in person in the studio to talk to us. I also want to plug the Personal Finance Club course. It's all about building wealth by investing in index funds. They go into ideas like compound interest, stocks and bonds, which stocks to buy, which index funds to buy, and then putting it all together. You can check out this course. You'd get lifetime access. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. And if you're if you're into this podcast, you probably already have most of these things taken care of. You're pretty smart. So one great thing you can do is give this as a gift. There's over eight hours of content and 20% of the, uh, you know what, honestly, I'm not sure if it's the revenue or the profits. Some 20% of it goes to charity, which is pretty awesome. Hopefully we'll be able to get Jeremy on sometime soon to chat with us as well. One thing I have to mention and disclose is we're affiliates. So that means if you make a purchase through our affiliate link, then we get a commission, which we appreciate. It helps us you know, pay for hosting and edit these podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm not gonna ramble on forever. So let's get over to the episode now. Hello world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. I am Carl Jensen with... I'm Doug Cunnington. And we have a very special guest today. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Vivi. I do all sorts of stuff, but I'm most known for working for Personal Finance Club. Awesome. And I have something from your Instagram that I want to read out kind of as your, your intro. And it, this is in your own words here. Okay. One year ago, I quit my job as a senior quality engineer because I wanted more from life and I wanted a better balance between money, work, and happiness. I loved personal finance, but I had no one to share this enthusiasm with. So I started making videos about it, even though I didn't feel like I had the authority to do so. And my voice is monotone AF. Yeah, we'll as ex- you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll explore that. Uh, going back... Before you know it, I was working full-time for my hero, Personal Finance Club, and that is Jeremy over there. So if people haven't followed Personal Finance Club, we'll put a link so you can check it out. You were welcomed into the community, and you made a bunch of new friends, both creators and non-creators, who appreciate personal finance and inspire me to be better. This is amazing, and we're going to dig into your story. Awesome. Thank you. You quit your job a few years ago to get out of a toxic work environment. Can you tell the story of putting in your resignation? Were you scared, stressed out? How did you feel before and after quitting? Yeah, well, full disclosure, I quit my job multiple times, but the first time was in 2017. I just felt like I was in this endless cycle of, you know, work, 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 hate my life. And then on the weekends, I would 
go hard and drink a lot to like have something to look forward to and you know forget about my problems I wanted to stop that because I felt like working in an environment that I was unhappy in I did not want to be an engineer the environment was not great or supportive and I I was thinking like do I really want to climb the corporate ladder to you know have even more responsibilities and more stress just to have a bigger paycheck, right? Like, what do I really need this bigger paycheck for? And is that really going to make me happy in exchange for having all this stress? I decided I am not getting any younger. And now is a time when I don't have any responsibilities to take a risk. And uh, yeah, I, I thought about it a lot. It was hard because I... I was afraid of what my peers would think, what my coworkers would think, and especially what my parents would think. So it was a lot. And then how did you feel after you quit? I felt liberated and also scared shitless at the same time. Can can I cuss on here? You can, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a relief to be like, "Oh, I don't have to work at this crap job anymore." But after that, it was like, oh, shit, what do I do now? I'm not making any money. I, I don't know how I'm going to make money. I don't have the confidence in myself to, like, make it happen. The disappointment from people. Yeah, it, it was a lot. And then how did, did you quit? Did oh. you, like, email? Did you have a meeting? What did you um, do specifically? It was not that exciting honestly i just told my my manager like i'm planning on quitting soon it's it's not you even you know i mean sure i hated it but like even if i did love that job um you know i i said it's time for me to go off on my own i want to work for myself and now's the time to do it and uh yeah, they were supportive. So it was nice. I have a couple of follow-up questions about your job. How long did you work there for? At the job that I quit at. Yeah, and total, how long had you been in the working as an aerospace engineer? I was at that job at for like uh, one and a half years. But in total, like since graduating from college, I was an engineer for four years. Okay. And what specifically did you dislike about the job? Well, first of all, I did not want to study engineering in college. I wanted to study graphic design. But, you know, pressure from my parents and being practical. Okay, I'll do the practical thing. That's fine. But I, I would say, like, your expectations in college as an engineer are not fulfilled in the working world. You know, you think you're going to innovate and work on like interesting technologies that will change the world but in reality you are just kind of like a worker bee pushing papers you know doing very repetitive work and on top of that like I didn't feel like I was improving the world I was just there to help this company make money like it was only about money you know like it was very stressful and it's not like, oh, we're like saving lives, you know, it's like, oh, because we need to hit our numbers this month. So I didn't think it was worth it. 
Yeah, I've read a couple of books about uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk is not a pleasant person to work for. And you work very, very long and difficult hours there, but people love it because for the reasons you said, they aren't pushing paper and they aren't trying to make money. They are making a difference. These people are designing engines and their work is very meaningful. One final question. So you said you only worked for about four years after school, after getting your degree. Mm -hmm. I think about the sunk cost you spent that time in school. Uh, someone spent money to have you go to school. Was it hard to bail on that? I spent all this time getting my degree and I only worked for as much time as it took me to get the degree. And now, and now yeah. I'm going to leave all that behind. Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely felt a lot of guilt. You know, as much as I wanted to live my own life and make my own decisions, my parents were very, very disappointed in me to the point where my dad did not talk to me or look at me for a few months. And it hurt me a lot because I totally understand why he feels that way. You know, they sacrificed a lot to give me a good life. Um, they they didn't have the the luxury of being able to pursue their dreams. They paid for me to go to college. So I felt like it was being disrespectful to just give up all that they did and sacrifice for me to have this great future. So yeah, that was weighing on me, you know, and at the same time, like I am here trying to like do business and hustle while having that like on my shoulders made it much more difficult. And when you quit, how much of a plan did you have for what you were going to do to earn money or just in general? So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort. Like I love watching Shark Tank, but I never really had an idea that I was passionate about to like pursue. Um, so I came across this ad on Facebook and um, it's these two women who started traveling and they quit their jobs and they um, did graphic design and social media management and they were able to work while traveling. So they sell a course that teaches you how to do that. And I signed up for that course. I didn't finish the, I took the course after I quit. As I told you, I like graphic design. I knew I was good at it. So I decided I can start by selling graphic design services because at least that's something I know how to do. So I was going to start from there. And then actually, I'm going to be really out of order here. When you started college, did you know that you didn't want to do engineering then already? <laughs> well, okay. In high school, I am Asian. It's very <laughs> uh, common that you need to be good at math. And I was very good at it. And I did enjoy it. You know, like the critical thinking. I loved physics. But I was also very artsy. I loved design. I was making websites in middle school. So I was like, should I do graphic design or engineering? I decided, you know, hey, there's a compromise. There's architecture. So I actually went to school studying architecture at first. But turns out it. I feel like it was neither graphic design nor engineering. It's like its own very unique thing. It's a, a beautiful field, but you know, I, I don't think my heart was in it. And you have to be very passionate about architecture to 
succeed in that. Yeah, so I, I wanted to switch, went back to square one. Okay, graphic design or engineering. And I was set on graphic design because that's what I truly love to do at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, my parents were like, no, that is not happening. And uh, I was like, okay, I get it. You don't need a degree in graphic design to pursue that. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just study engineering. And if I really want to be a graphic designer, I can still do that. So I, I would say engineering was kind of like my backup plan. Like I still uh, had a part-time job as a graphic designer while studying engineering. And that was my plan. But I think eventually... I ended up getting an engineering internship in college, and it was like very fulfilling to me. Surprisingly, I had no idea that would happen. Um, and I, after that moment, I didn't feel the desire to be a graphic designer anymore because you know I actually felt like I was helping people and changing lives. Wow, why do you think you felt that way? Because it seems like, yeah, most of the engineers that I know, they don't, they don't feel that way. So what yeah. was it with that particular job that tricked you? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think about that. Um, I think I was in a special case because I was an intern and it, I wasn't doing like day-to-day -day work. They kind of brought me in kind of like as a consultant, like, hey, what can we do to improve our you know, shop floor, our systems. So that's not like a long-term thing that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, since I was only there for a short, short time, I just, I was there to, to make improvements, which was a lot of fun. But as a full-time job, I, I don't think that would be feasible. Makes sense. Okay. I'm going to jump ahead in the story here. So now you work with Jeremy at Personal Finance Club. What's Jeremy's last name? I forget. Schneider. Schneider. Great. Hi, Jeremy, if you're listening. So this is your quick story from one of the posts and it's okay. There's salary information here. Is it okay if I say these? Yes. Okay. So you didn't love your job as a quality engineer in the aerospace industry making 85K. So you quit the job and you were afraid to tell your parents. You studied content creation, graphic design, and video editing. Then you landed a part-time job with Jeremy making 25 bucks an hour. And then you got promoted to a full-time role in your first year, you made 127K. And part of that is a profit share, which was 71,000. Is that all accurate? Did I read that right? Yes. So that's amazing. That's pretty crazy. So now looking back, I mean, do you have any thoughts about, really about how you felt when it was uncertain and then where you are now, because I'm sure at the beginning you were like, how the fuck is this going to work yeah. out? Am I even going to be able to make like 40K a year? <laughs> and now you've done better. Pro probably, I mean, I suspect you would have had to keep working at that same job for another 15 years to hit what you're making now. So how did it feel? Not 15 years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I, I didn't mention this, but I, I came back as an engineer like two years ago, they asked me to come back and I was like, hell no. But then I was like, I also need money, so I'll come back. <laughs> uh -huh. 
and I was making $55 an hour there, you know, which is great, which would be six figures if I was working full time. But back to your question. Yeah, you know, like looking back in hindsight, it's like, oh, wow, that was totally worth it. But at the time, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen in my future. I was like struggling with money, taking money out of my savings to pay for rent. I think the hard thing about working for yourself is that you don't have a direction. There's so many different options and things you can pursue, right? So I I tried a bunch of things. I, uh, I started an, an Etsy shop. I started a blog. I even was doing IT for a client at one point. I think now looking back, I think it was necessary to try all those things and fail if if you want to put it that way. Um, because I, I say, you know, if even if something doesn't work out, it, it pushes you closer into the direction that you want to end up in. And and it's it sucks to say that like you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't really know if things are going to be worth it until that opportunity comes and it like it's like okay now it finally paid off you know all the all the risks and sacrifices were you happy during that time of uncertainty and how long did you have to go before you landed on your feet i was not happy during that time because it it was very scary. You know, it 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 sucks in in many ways, you know, not just financially, but people's outside opinions. People don't really understand and they're not very supportive of things that are different. You know, people would say I am unemployed or I'm like not working but it's like no, I I'm I am working. I'm just not making money. <laughs> You know, and like I I lost a lot of confidence. I think what's very interesting about having a conventional job, it's very easy to have like uh, to value yourself like, oh, yeah, like I'm an engineer. I'm I'm worth something. And people are like, wow, that's so cool. They they respect you automatically just because of that, you know. But if I'm like, yeah, I'm like trying to work on being an entrepreneur, I guess. You know, like, they're like, oh, okay. It doesn't sound as great. And people don't respect that. What do you say you do now when someone's like, hey, what do you do? And it's, you know, not a crowd where they would understand, like, <laughs> the the actual answer. Um, yeah, so how do you describe what you do? I say I, I work for a personal finance brand, and we teach people how to invest for retirement. That's a pretty good answer. People understand that. Yeah, it's pretty weird back to what you said a second ago, how at least here in America, I don't know if the rest of the world is like that. It probably is how our identities are so wrapped up in what we do in our job. And it seems like kind of a, a flaw. Why should that matter so much? But on the same level, there's a lot of value in not giving a shit and what anyone thinks about you or what you're doing as long as you're happy and yeah. living a life true to yourself. Who cares? Yeah, but I think it's very hard to not let other people people's opinions get to you. And that leads me to one of the questions. So you talked about your parents and the, the pressure. Um, what about your your friends and your peers, especially people that like you didn't work with uh, necessarily? And I, 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 some people 
they're good friends with their team at work and they hang out outside of work. And I don't know what your situation was, but yeah. How was it with the peers? Did you get support? Did people mostly give you a hard time? It was a mixed bag. Some people were like, oh, wow, you're an entrepreneur. You're killing it. That's so cool. Which was very nice to hear. But deep down, I, I didn't accept those words because I knew I was struggling and I, I didn't feel confident enough in myself to accept that. But, you know, it ranged to people saying that I'm unemployed and I'm not working. Most people didn't understand why I was doing that. So I don't know. It, it was very mixed. It was it did not help, to be honest, R regardless of what people said. It did not help me. And then do you have any theories why engineers and IT professionals really hate their jobs? <laughs> yeah, like I said, we we have this expectation that we're going to change the world and innovate, which, you know, some professions do have, but I I don't think that's very easy to get to that point. You know, once once you do start working in that field, you are uh pushing a lot of papers and doing very repetitive work in a very uh fast-paced, toxic environment that's all about profits. Carl, why, why did you hate your job so much? Yeah, I have one theory, and I'd be curious to know what you think, and this kind of builds on what Vivi said. I think, excuse me, most engineers and most computer folks actually like their core work, but especially as you advance, you're always shoved into management or you end up doing stuff that's outside of the core job. Like I loved yeah. writing code. That part was great, but all the other bullshit, the meetings and micromanagement and schedules, mm -hmm. everything that surrounded that was bad. And that stuff grows over time where your coding part might get smaller. Like, oh, we want you to manage a team. Like, oh, like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> My favorite question is where do you want to be in like five years? Like that question. And Deep down, what I wanted to say was, I want to be doing the exact same thing I do right now, like in a cube, not talking to anyone else, just coding <laughs> up the whole day. Like, the more I'm doing what I do now, the happier I was going to be. But you never wanted to say that because, oh, they expect you mm. to, I see myself as a project architect in five years or some bullshit like that. But right. what, what do you think, Doug? Oh, gosh. Well, I think you guys are right. It's different than what people expect most of the time. The kind of work I was doing was, uh, it was like, building software for a, a wireless company. So not saving the world or anything like that. It's pretty dumb stuff. And the politics really sucked. And I I guess I'm slightly ambitious. So I, I wanted to keep doing better. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the people ahead of me, I thought, well, I definitely don't want to be where they are yeah. in five years or 10 years. Like clearly I don't want to do that. And they don't seem happy either. Yeah. They just seem... Like they get a little bit more money and they're more stressed out. So. Yeah, I think it's very interesting how in, you know, the corporate world, we like to glamorize moving up. Like you always need to like be pushing to, to improve. Why can't we stay and do the same thing if, right. if we are happy with it? Or putting in like more and more hours, like, oh, this person did like 14 hours and worked over the weekend. It's like, well, they're really oh, fucking man. inefficient. And how can you work <laughs> for more than eight hours anyway? I think I was telling you, I can work about two or three hours a day of like good work. Mm -hmm. And then after that, my brain's too tired. I really can't get much done. 
yeah, if only corporate America adopted that that work schedule. Yeah, two to three hours a day. That's perfect. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to when you quit and you're starting to create some stuff online. You mentioned you tried several things that kind of worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if looking back, if there's anything that you would change, any mistakes in that process of like quitting and then transitioning to try to figure out what you were going to do? I don't know. Like part of me wants to say like to not get so distracted and like jump from one thing to another or try new things so quickly because, you know, that does get in the way of your long-term goals. But at the same time, I do feel like it was kind of necessary in order for me to get to where I am. But I think, I think the, the, the biggest thing would be to not let your income determine your self-worth because I feel like I let that affect me so easily and so quickly. You know, one one moment I'm making nothing and all of a sudden, you know, when I, I got called back to that engineering job making $55 an hour, I was like, I felt like on top of the world, like, oh yeah, like I'm the shit, like I got all this money. I don't think money should define you so so easily in that way because at the end of the day, you are still the same person who was capable of the same things. And uh, I I really let it get to me when I wasn't making money. It's cool that they called you back. So you must have been a smart and good employee. Yeah, that was a huge ego boost, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. My company never called me back, by the way, in all these years. so Because they knew you would say no. <laughs> they must have heard some of the podcasts we do. <laughs> Okay, so what was it like going back to being a beginner after you were a hotshot engineer, you were very qualified, so you're going back to square one, probably take, I mean, you're taking some courses, trying to figure out how to do kind of entry level stuff in air quotes. Yeah, it, uh, it sucks, you know, like, it, it makes, it made me rethink, like, wow, I had it pretty good and was living comfortably and now I am starting over and like couponing you know to save like a dollar here and there because it was really tough but I knew in the long run it was the right decision because I would rather be struggling with my skills and like not making money than staying at that job and struggling in a different way right and um you know, that's the risk that I chose to take. And honestly, I never had the intention or the desire to go back to engineering. Like if things went to shit, I didn't think of that as an option. That would be like, like rock bottom. (laughs) Right. Wow. That's pretty intense. So you never envisioned a situation. And I, especially now, like now you're probably like, um, I would never, ever is there anything that would cause you to go back to an engineering job? Like, Honestly, I, I would say that's like the total, total last resort. Because, you know, even even that time that I did come back, I didn't want to. It actually was like better than I thought it would be. It was still toxic and crap, but I was only there part time. So it wasn't as bad. And, you know, I 
could still totally be here today or be there today. But I knew that the time that I was spending there was holding me back from my long-term goals. Um, so I feel like if I were to work in that field, it would just be for money, a means to achieve something else. So, yeah. Do you think your life is better now because you had to go through that? Uh, do you think you'd be as appreciative now of your life if you hadn't gone through that tough time, that four years of school and a career that you did not like? I don't regret it at all, you know, because I think if I didn't do that, I, I would always wonder, like, what would my life be? Like, would I have enjoyed that? But now I know. And I, I don't like, I think my education and that experience was totally worth it. I learned a lot, you know, even though I don't use my engineering skills anywhere. I think I learned like how to learn things and how to think critically, you know, and, and solve problems. So yeah, I think, I think it's fine. I have one more question along these lines before we take a hard left turn. <laughs> so did you feel like you like made it or were successful before you started working with Jeremy or was personal finance club like part of the journey to get to a spot where you feel like confident and comfortable with you know, earning and your position and where you are in your journey, I guess. I think getting this job is what kind of made me feel validated and what made it feel like this whole journey was worth it. Because before that, I was struggling and I didn't know what I was doing. And I think, I, I think it's kind of sad to like require a job or a position or an income to make you feel validated. Yeah, it's it's very weird because like I got this job and all of a sudden like people think I'm great and amazing, but it's like, oh, just right before that, it's like I was a nobody and like not accomplishing things. So it's it's just strange that we do need this like external validation to feel good about ourselves and for other people to see that in us as well. So here's the left turn. You shared on Instagram that you started therapy. So it's cool oh, we talk okay. about this. Yeah, let's okay. let's get into that. So that seems scary to share it. So can you talk about why you felt like it was important to share it on Instagram and really put yourself yeah. out there? Yeah, it is a very personal thing to share. And even somebody told me like, oh, be careful, don't share too much. But what I've realized over the years from like slowly being more vulnerable is that people love it, you know, because a lot of things on social media are fake and curated. Um, and uh, people think it's very refreshing to see real shit that they can relate to, then, you know, they are probably dealing with similar emotions too. So what I've learned is that being vulnerable, like gets so much more um, traction and like a better response from people than whatever superficial stuff out there. So I want to share that with people because it can help them feel seen. But at the same time, when I'm feeling vulnerable or being vulnerable, it helps me too, because people 
are supportive or they'll share their own story that will help me or share their advice or their tips and stuff. So it's great. It's totally worth it. And Carla, I don't know. I haven't gone to therapy. Have you gone to therapy and you could answer or not answer if you feel comfortable? I have not gone to therapy. I could probably use some of it for uh, some incidents, but uh, no, I have not gone. Yeah, I probably should go too, which we'll, we'll get into that in a second here. But how is therapy going? And feel free to share or not share whatever you want. And what are you looking to get out of therapy? It's going okay. I've only ha- I've only seen one therapist, so I don't know what to compare it to. But I've had I've had a lot of crying, a lot of realizations, which I think is great um, because. She doesn't tell me what to do or what's going on, but she asks me the right questions for me to realize it on my own, which I think is much more powerful. What am I looking to get out of it? I would say more clarity in terms of the direction that my life is heading. I got problems. We all got problems and we don't know how to handle them, what to do next, right? And and uh, she kind of helps me talk it through for me to figure that out on my own. So, you know, I want to be at peace, have a better understanding of myself, why I am the way I am and uh, how to deal with that. Was it scary to go for the first session? And I guess it's remote or is that yeah. right? Okay. No, it was not scary because I actually posted about it on Instagram and asked people like, oh, uh, how do you find a therapist? And people were super helpful. And I would say 100% of the people that shared their experience about therapy, they're like, it's worth every penny. Like it changed my life. And I was like, oh, I want to change my life. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I was very excited. I actually did the session in like a private office space and I cried so much and I was not prepared. I didn't, I did not bring any tissues with me. <laughs> so yeah, I did not think I was going to cry. Wow. So Carl, are you sold? Are you going to sign up right away? <laughs> I don't think I'll sign up right away, but everyone who I know who has gone to therapy has said the exact same thing as Vivi. I'm a better person for it. I know myself better and I'm happier as a result of it. So so what's, hold, what's holding you back then? I, I don't know. Writing is kind of therapeutic for me. I, I like to write in that so, little therapy session. I know it's not the same as talking to someone. Well, I'm not your therapist, but I think you just deflected that. <laughs> <laughs> what's holding you back, Doug? Uh, you know what? Nothing. I think maybe maybe this is the push that I need publicly, you know, now oh. that I'm making, making fun of Carl. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, what, I mean... Everything that you said, it makes sense to me. And I think, and I'm going to deflect the same way that that you did, Carl. I think, you know, just me talking to Georgie, the dog, really helps because she never talks back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was a bad joke. Okay. Anything else with the therapy stuff that you want to share before we get back on track and start talking about bye? Um, I would say... Uh, I put it off for a long time, mainly because of the cost. 
And I do have great friends that are willing to listen to all my problems. You know, you, Doug has a dog. Carl has a journal. That's great. But I think it's very valuable when there's a professional that knows where to lead the conversation to help you figure out what it is that you need to figure out. Very good. So how did you get interested in Phi? And can you talk about sort of the timeline when you found it and started investigating and the journey? Yeah. So a friend of mine told me about Mr. Money Mustache in 2014. He was also an engineer. Um, and uh, it interested me a lot because I was like, yeah, I hate my job and I don't want to... <laughs> be here forever. It's like, wow, there's a way out of this. That's really cool. Count me in because I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Yeah. And I, I think it was very eye-opening reading Mr. Money Mustache's blog because I did feel like I was spending money recklessly on alcohol and partying just to like have that instant gratification. But I was I learned that, you know, there's another way to use your money for that, you know, long-term big picture thing. And that helped me be much more frugal because it'll be worth it in the end when I can finally leave my job. So yeah, that's how it started. And did you have any friends, I guess one friend, introduced you to the concept but did you have other friends that were like on that journey so or did you sort of have to leave some friends behind because they were going out <laughs> partying and stuff and i know exactly what you're talking about i i did consulting and traveled a lot mm -hmm. so it was really easy to go party while you're on the road mm -hmm. and then when you get back in town you're like oh, only i have like two days to like do a couple uh things around the house laundry and then party on the weekends so yeah how, how did that go yeah. socially for you yeah, it was, it did not go well with my friends. I was trying to share this concept with them. And most of them were like, I like my job or like, I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't working. And you know, money is there for you to enjoy life buy stuff for people and show them love in that way. So yeah, it was kind of difficult. I, I didn't really have, you know, my, my friend group who could relate to it. So that did make it difficult, you know, when people are going out to eat and ordering all the appetizers and drinks and stuff. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want, I don't want all this. I don't want to have to pay for it. Um, so it is kind of weird and it's kind of embarrassing, you know, because like it sounds like you're poor if you don't want to splurge. But what I've noticed is interesting is like it's it's like the cheap people that have more money, even though it seems like I don't have the money. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. Did you make pretty good decisions up until that point? Like. Did you have a relatively reasonable car or apartment or home or whatever? Or did you have to like reel things in? I was pretty reasonable. I drove a very old car. I was living with my parents at the time to save money. So I think 
because I was doing that, it gave me a little bit more freedom to enjoy life. I love traveling. I think travel is worth the money being spent on. But if I wasn't living with my parents, I definitely would have changed my lifestyle in order to account for that. And of course, when you quit your high paying job, that derailed you from this path. So can you mm -hmm. talk about that? Like how much did it get you off track? Did you have a target date in mind? And then you were like, oh fuck, if I quit, I have to change everything and I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, that was another tough result of quitting. Like I was so focused and ready to retire in my 30s and I was like, you know, should I just keep at it for 10 more years and be good? Or do I drop everything and make zero dollars and go backwards, push off my retirement until who knows when in exchange for following my dream? Yeah, that was tough. And, and I hated every month taking out money that I've been like working hard to save, you know, to pay for rent. But what I realized is that time and our youth is also very valuable. So like now is the time to do it, even though even if my retirement will be pushed back later, at least I have this time now to explore and go after what it is that I want. And I, I think that's totally worth it because I would hopefully find a profession that I enjoy. So I'm not in such a rush to retire ASAP. You're, you're totally fine. I mean, Carl and I, we lost our youth and he didn't even know, or I didn't know about Phi until, you know, several years after you're talking about retiring. So you're you're totally fine. What were you going to say? Uh, I just, along your lines, I think fire is kind of a reaction to the old school life that people used to embrace. So I'll go to school, I'll get this job, I'll work my ass off, I'll become a mm -hmm. manager, blah, 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 blah. And people are like, screw this, I don't want to do it. But I think a more healthier way to live is just what you said. Find something you actually want to do. Negotiate a loose relationship with it. I'm not going to work 2,200 hours a year or whatever the hell it comes out to. I'm not going to be stuck in shitty commutes. I might take sabbaticals. I might take summers off and be a snowboard instructor in the winter or whatever. Just enjoy life and not race to this end where you don't necessarily have to work. So you want to work, but you're enjoying it and working at things that you truly love and speak to your heart the whole time. Yeah. And uh, Doug, you were saying that you, you two lost your youth. <laughs> what, what does that mean? And, and how do you feel, you know, knowing that and where you are today? It was mostly a joke, but this, this is going to turn into a therapy session. Oh, all right. Yeah. Let's do this. I think I, I probably could have made a few better decisions, but uh, generally, I mean, I'm happy where I'm sitting and I've, this has been a theme for questions al along these lines. I'm happy where I'm sitting right now today. So I learned a lot from those mistakes that I made or poor decisions and losing my youth, wasting time uh, working like weekends or shift hours and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And I, th I think it was, it was okay. I'm not that old. You know. Yeah. <laughs> How Got about plenty of your youth left? Yeah. What about you, Carl? 
Uh, I'm happy. I can't complain about where I am in life, but I I worked very, very hard for, I had a full-time job. I was fixing up a house with two kids. So working like over a hundred hours a week for, for weeks on end between this stupid house remodel and other stuff. And I didn't really need to do that. I should have just taken time off. I would talk to friends on the weekends and they'd be like, oh man, did you watch like whatever zombie TV show? (laughs) Like, I, I haven't turned on the TV in years. It's still in the box from our move three years ago, so I don't oh know what gosh. you're talking about. And that was a toxic way to live. But I'm happy. I'm very thankful for where I'm at now and more appreciative of it because I did that shit. Although I am still doing shit now. I've got Band-Aids on my fingers because of home improvement. But Yeah. You like that, though. Sort of. <laughs> okay. So I think we were kind of leading to this question anyway. So how important is the retire early part now that you're out of the toxic work environment. And you didn't tell me that your work environment is not toxic, but I'm just assuming because Jeremy's <laughs> a cool dude that you're not in a toxic environment right now. Yeah, I, that's fair. It is not toxic. Yeah, that's a good point. It is less important to retire early, you know, if you have a job that you enjoy, because I feel like many people who are retired early end up still working in some form, right? So I I don't think fire is like an end like an end goal cuz you know, it's like the beginning, life still goes on, you're still doing productive things. Yeah, I mean, I'm still hoping to retire early, but it's not as much of like it doesn't feel as urgent as it did before. Very good. So you're starting to go to more FI and personal finance events. We met at Economy, which was pretty fun. Yeah. How would you describe the community? And I mean, who have you met? You know, any any cool people or anything like that? I got to meet Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. (laughs) Hello. That's right. (laughs) It says that right there. It's been really cool. Like, I think it's a very unique community in the sense that you don't need to compete. You know, everybody can win. People are very understanding. You know, you can be in a, in different parts of your journey. It's okay. I feel like the community is very um, genuine and authentic, which I think is cool. You know, it's like, it's so interesting to me meeting like, normal looking dudes like you two and like finding out like, oh yeah, I'm retired. Like I just got a bunch of money, but I just look like a normal person. I think that's great and very refreshing because you do meet people that have very flashy clothes and cars and stuff, but they're probably maybe struggling financially. Who knows? But yeah, it's great. I feel very welcomed and, uh, Feel like I've met a lot of great people. I want to shift a little bit. Well, before we do, anything else on the the FI topic or your journey or anything like that? No. Are you going to any FI events this year? I will be going to FinCon again and Economy again, even though that's not this year. Cool. That's all I have planned. Who knows? Yeah. Campifies are pretty fun too. And there's one outside of San Diego that might be your speed. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know there was one yeah. there. Yeah, it's October. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe I'll go. 
the shift here. I did a couple topics that I added late. So travel, you mentioned it as one of your, you know, priorities, something that you mm-hmm. really want to spend time doing. So can you talk about some of the travel that you've done in the past, maybe some highlights or some recent trips? I made it a goal to travel to every continent besides Antarctica before I turned 30. So I have accomplished that. Love that. It was great. You know, every continent has so much, it's like so much different from another. So I kind of felt like I've traveled the world literally. And I think it's great to get out of your bubble and meet people that have had a totally different upbringing from you. Yeah. I, I don't know what highlights I could share. I don't know. There's so many. What's a place that you want to go back to that, that you've been to? I really love Japan, specifically Tokyo. I love how high-tech they are, how efficient they are, how polite they are, how cute all their stuff is, like how much like detail and effort they put into just like packaging and like small things. It was very beautiful. I loved it. Awesome. That's a bucket list for me. I've never been, but I can't wait to go. Yeah, you have to. It's it's amazing. Cool. And then do you have any upcoming trips? No, but you know, since I can work remotely, I kind of want to try out this nomad thing, you know, maybe like live here for a month and then live somewhere else for a month. So I would probably want to start in the U.S. first, just for convenience and time zone reasons. So I think that's my next thing. You know, that's why I'm here in Denver. Actually, I uh, I'm staying here for a month, watching a house, and uh, it's been really cool to just have a, a different change of pace and like get the experience of living somewhere, not so much like traveling and and doing stuff all the time. I really like that a lot. I like, you know, the slow travel kind of thing. Next is probably Seattle. I would want to spend some time there. Very cool. Yeah, I think the slow travel and spending like a month is just about per- a month at a minimum because then you don't feel rushed to go and like do all the stuff. You can sit around and waste some time, which is nice. Yeah, and I, I really prefer to have the experience of like, living there you know like what is it like to you know live in a real house or like what do they have at the grocery store or what is it like you know taking public transportation stuff like that and then the other bonus area is social media so we've referenced several times your instagram account and i don't know what other social stuff you have going on but we have had other conversations where We've talked about social media being a mixed bag. Can you talk yeah. about that and like how you're, how you create, how you consume and like why you take breaks occasionally or that sort of thing? Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I love creating and I hate it at the same time. I think it's a great way to spread a message and connect with people and 
inspire people, change people's lives. But on the other hand, it comes with a lot of pressure. You're like, oh, you gotta post like every day or every week or else the algorithm will not like you and they'll like hide your content. And you know, it's it's hard to be creative because you can't force yourself to create and come up with new ideas. So it does get very draining. Of course, the uh, backlash you might get from people is never fun. So yeah, sometimes I want to quit, but I'm like, no, I can't because it's great. It's done great things for me. I've met a lot of amazing people, um, got really cool opportunities and have been able to inspire people, which is what I want to do. But it, it does come with a lot of pressure and baggage. When you do take a break and potentially the algorithm hates you after that, are you able to just come back and everything's fine? Like after a couple of weeks, like <laughs> has there been any like actual negative effects? It just, or does it just feel like there will be? Honestly, I don't like, I try not to care anymore. Yes, I do lose followers for not posting and it hurts. It used to hurt me a lot every time, like, oh, the numbers keep going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I learned to get over that because at the end of the day, what is more important is my personal life and my mental health. So, you know, that's a priority and whatever happens on social media is like secondary. Good. Okay. So what is a perfect day or a few days or a week or however, uh, whatever interval you want to talk about? <laughs> what does that look like for you? A perfect day? Well, I am a night owl. So my perfect day would be waking up at 10 o'clock and uh, taking it easy, you know, spending some time to myself, making a slow breakfast. And uh I really like spending time with people. So honestly, my perfect day would just be like hanging out with people who I really connect with and can inspire me. And we don't even have to do anything interesting. You know, we could be going to the grocery store and just like talking about life. I just, that's something that I really love. And I would want to, you know, do something productive, learn something, work on a class, maybe at night. I'm down for drinking. Great conversations are had when you're drinking with great people. So it'd be cool to chill at home and have a good conversation. Maybe do some karaoke and play some board games. Yeah, that sounds like a great day to me. Nice. That sounds doable. Gross, grocery store, <laughs> hang out, drink a little. Yeah, you could do that. And what activities make you lose track of time? Honestly, posting on social media makes me lose track of time. I, that could be a good way or a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm posting, when I'm making my fun stories or insightful stories, whatever, I do put a lot of thought into it, maybe record a few takes make sure it's it looks good. I enjoy doing that. And then I get a lot of great messages and a lot of great conversations are started. And yeah, I am like texting 
back and forth like with strangers and before you know it like six hours have gone by and i'm curious with uh, graphic designer like more artistic things do you also lose track of time yes i do but not in the sense of like enjoying it you know it's like oh crap why am i spending so much time on this like just looking at like trying to move an image like one pixel up or down for 30 minutes trying to decide what looks better you know yeah yeah okay <laughs> got it very good well i think we're coming to the end carl do you have any more questions i do not so i have one final question that i also didn't prep you for oh <laughs> don't worry You're, you'll do fine <laughs> So for people that are still working a job that they potentially hate, especially, I mean, just think back of yourself when you mm -hmm. were doing the engineering job and you were like, all these sunk costs, my parents may disapp be disappointed if I quit and just all, all the things that are keeping you from quitting. Like what advice would you give a person now? Wow. It's tough, you know, I get that you got to take care of your bills. Maybe you got other people depending on you. But I would say to look at your life in the long run, you know, and what do you really want? Are you willing to make a short-term sacrifice now to, you know, potentially find your passion and your dream job? Because... I think, you know, life is very precious and we spend so much time working and life goes by very quickly if you're wasting time doing something that you don't want to do. You don't have to quit your job completely like I did, but, you know, if you can make some sacrifices and work towards it and, you know, get into it, maybe, you know, do it part-time on the side or get some new skills that you enjoy. I totally support that. Great answer. Well, Vivi, this has been awesome. And where should people find you? Thank you for having me. You can find me on Instagram at Vivitron and you can see what I'm doing for work at Personal Finance Club. Awesome. We'll link everything up so you could find it easily. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. 
it's really just for entertainment and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So the question I have prepared for the sound check, and we'll, we usually put this at the end so people have like bloopers, sort of a guilty pleasure song or artist or some kind of music that you're embarrassed that you listen to. Okay. Huh. Yeah, Thanks for telling for me ahead of time. <laughs> Do you have one, Carl? Yes, it took me a second. And there's there's many, many probably most of the music I listen to is embarrassing to divulge in public. But I would say all that shitty like eighties hair band like Warrant, uh Motley Crue, Poison, uh, Poison Slaughter. Yeah, all those bands. The, Love that. The men who looked like women at the time, that was the style. Yeah. Yeah, those were great. I like those too. How how about you, Doug? So mine is like late mid to late 90s like women rockers I, I don't even like Alanis Morissette it's pretty good like Jagged Little Pill solid album did you not get into that I did at first but then it was just played so much like what was her big song the go down on you in a theater song like that that song was like on the radio like it was every other fucking song it, it, that song was actually written by a man, which is kind of strange. The yeah. Go down on you. You ought to know. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. You ought to know. <laughs> I, I ought to know. Vivi, did we buy you enough time? Yeah. Uh, I'm not like totally embarrassed, but it's unexpected of me. People have told me, but I am a huge BTS fan. You guys know BTS? I it's a know. It's a K-pop group. Okay. It's mostly, you know, teenagers that love them so you know it's okay <laughs> what now that's from korea right yes what do i've heard of that what do they actually sound like i don't know if i've ever heard them sing or play or do they play instruments or is it uh no they're they're like a boy band um singing and dancing very you know teenage pop vibes mostly in korean huh. i don't okay. understand it um yeah. <laughs> but it's great <laughs> we should check it out Doug. yeah we should something we'll get into as well. Okay. <laughs>